Hurry up, your favorite show's about to start. Grab a Capri Sun, some Dunkaroos, and settle in for another episode of The Millennial Movie Club. Hello, we're back. We are back. Um, hey, everybody. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Sorry that we left you high and dry last week, but we just... Life gets busy, man. Life's tough. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff they're throwing at us. I moved back to New York City, so coming to you live. I don't have an excuse. <laughs> Dan's excuse is that his co-host moved to New York City. <laughs> <That's right, yeah. laughs> and he almost had jury duty. Oh, I did almost have jury canceled. duty. then it got canceled. Yeah, also, if anyone could tell me whether this has ever happened, I just got a text message that says jury duty is canceled. I can't imagine that that's... Jury duty actually happened and you're in serious trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Maybe there, um, there's a warrant out or something like that. But. Zoinks. Well, if we ever go dark again, but we don't put a cute little Instagram post, you'll know why. And I'm it's in jail. Daniel is in jail. Yeah. Oh, man. Who would have thought you'd be in jail before me? Well, maybe. I don't know. Not stranger sure yet. Things, stranger things have happened. <laughs> stranger things. Um, my name is Jazz Zapatos, and when I was in high school, I was a theater kid. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> and I did the high school musicals, and I did the musical high school musical twice. Whoa. <laughs> once at school and once at theater camp. So you could say, I've done a lot of high school musical in my life. <laughs> So meta. Um, okay, well, my name's Dan Levine, and I was never in a musical. Not once. No, never. Um, and I really always liked watching them, like my school plays and stuff like that. Um, but I was, no. I it was would not have been great. Good. I don't know. It's very scary to Maybe me. Maybe we have to do a musical episode of the podcast. I'd love to. Yeah. You wouldn't rap for us for like two seconds. I'll do a musical though. I don't know how we could possibly, <laughs> what that means, but I'll certainly do it. Just leave it to me. Okay. <laughs> you know I've a thing done or two a lot about. of high school musicals. <laughs> was that your fun fact that you've never done a musical? No, not really. My fun fact was that my when I was a kid, my uh, favorite TV show is Rock Rose Modern Life. And I just found out that it's like on Hulu or something like that. And I just went back to watch it. And it like, barely holds up it is so fucked up <laughs> it's really bizarre that one yeah i love it's it really bizarre but the, yeah it's barely watchable to be honest i want to do that with rl monsters oh, which was mine yeah. um but i am a little bit scared that it'll be ruined or i'll be obsessed all over again i don't know S- never meet your heroes i know yeah, yeah. It's tough. Speaking of something that's nothing like anything I've ever (laughs) seen before, (laughs) this week we are talking about the movie Jawbreaker, y'all. Holy shit. (laughs) I had never seen it before. Jazz, you'd seen parts of it before? I had had never seen it in its entirety, front to back. Okay. Or like as an adult (laughs) with a fully formed-ish brain and... Holy moly. It's really fucked. I mean, I know that a lot of people saw it because it used to be on TV a lot, I guess. So maybe is that how you saw it? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. There's no way my mother let me rent this from Blockbuster. It is still pretty breathtaking, even in this day and age. (laughs) 
you want to say that it's try like that it's copying a bunch of stuff, but it actually predates the stuff that you would think it's copying. Like you would be like, oh, this is a Mean Girls knockoff, but like it's not. This okay. The only way I know how to describe this movie, it's like a more fucked up Mean Girls if it was created by the same team that used to make the Nickelodeon magazine commercials. <laughs> That's right. Well, it was, see, that's the thing, like, because it's exactly like... The Heathers. Yes. Okay, sorry. Yeah. A lot of people also said it's like trying to be the Heathers. Right. So it just kind of like bridges the gap between the Heathers and then Mean Girls. And I really feel like Mean Girls may have ruined everything for me because now there's like three movies where I wish I had not watched Mean Girls because I just think, ah, Mean Girls is better. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah, because Mean Girls is better. It's great. I mean, it has the like hindsight to be able to be like, I want to do it this way and this way. But Correct. Yeah. But uh, oh, man, man, oh, man, oh, man. So many things to say about this film. If you've not seen it, I, I was going to say I highly recommend seeing it just so you can understand the gravity of what we're feeling right now. But I also don't think anyone should see this movie ever. I hated it. <laughs> I couldn't stand it. <laughs> This might be like the first time you and I have like vehemently hated a movie together. Really? Don't you think? Because usually yeah, we that's either right. like love something or one of us really loves it and the other hates because it. Because there wouldn't be a scenario in which we would both hate something because we usually like kind of like pitch movies to one another that like one of us likes. I knew that you didn't know anything about this film and that's why I pitched it to you because I already knew that I didn't like it for what I had seen. (laughs) (laughs) And I knew you would hate this with a fiery, fiery passion of a thousand suns. I hate it. I tried. I swear I tried so hard to like this movie. I watched it twice. (laughs) Oh, oh, no. What? Yeah. I'm so sorry. Did you think that I liked it and that's why I suggested it? Yeah. Oh, no. So not, oh, Daniel, that's so sweet. You were like watching it a second time to like try to understand me better yeah. and like and like still like me and respect me as a person and a friend. And you like, were like, I don't get this. I owe this to Jazz. I got to give this another try. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Nah, brah. Oh, okay. We're on the same page. Yeah. E bad. V bad. Um, Oh, I can't wait. Let's dive the fuck in, shall we? Yes. Yes. I don't know where to start, really, but. Let's set a scene that's got to be better than any scenes in this movie. (laughs) The description of this movie reads When an exclusive clique of teenage socialites accidentally murders their best friend Liz on the morning of her birthday, the three girls responsible, Courtney, Julie, and Marcy, conspire to hide the truth. As the trio make over nerdy reject Fern Mayo and groom her to take Liz's place, crack police detective Vera Cruz launches an investigation that will turn Reagan High School upside down. That sounds great. It does. I used a lot of face muscles to do that <laughs> just now. I wanted to sell to the break. shit out of it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think I sold it. <laughs> I think you did a great job. It would definitely make me want to watch that movie. It's just like when you say it as like a couple sentences, you're like, oh, of course. Like, it could perfect. be done well. It yeah. could be done well. The overall style of it and the acting are so terrible. It's like camp. They're like yes. trying to be like that, but it's 
I don't know what it is, but like you can't just. I don't know just... what to call it. Like I wanted, I want to say like, this is the vibe. First of all, it's a movie set in the nine. Well, it's a '90s movie set in the '90s, mm-hmm. but also with a '50s theme. Yep. With weird surrealism, steampunk, ghosty, but also like. It just doesn't know what it is. It does not know what it's trying to do. It's just trying to do too much. There'll be a transition between scenes and it's like the sound of a banana peel will happen or something the like that. It's effects. just so strange. It does like a weird like split screen transition and the sound effects will be like, I'm like, wait, this is kind of serious shit we're talking about. Like murder and a staged rape. And you're like, like, what are you doing? This is what I'm saying. Do you you remember those old commercials for Nickelodeon magazine? Yes, of course. This felt like a very long commercial for Nickelodeon magazine with rape. It is so (laughs) fucked. And the thing is, like, I don't think it was that far off from being something that I would have really liked. Like, it was so strange that I almost kind of liked some of it, but then like. Halfway through, I just can't stand watching it. Like <laughs> none, none of, and I'll tell you why. Well, for one, none of the devices are consistent enough. So, like, it'll do those weird, like, scene change, right? <laughs> sound effects. Like, it does it like three times. Like, just not enough to be like out of the blue. Like, why are they even there? Right. Like, they do it like three times in a row at the very beginning of the movie, and then like it happens again like randomly at the towards the end there's like (laughs) and also the acting is terrible like if we had gotten really riveting performances like i was even surprised by how bad rose mcgowan was in this because people absolutely love this movie and i was trying to figure out what and people love the acting in this because it's so strange (laughs) but i couldn't help absolutely hating it i think like Judy Greer, like all of them are just terrible. Like, no. and, and oh, no one's talking to one another. Like anyone no. will talk to one another. That's right. They're like not even looking into each other's eyes. <laughs> right. It's, there's so much, there's so much wrong here. And I love Judy Greer. Me love too. Love her. But I feel like she was just maybe influenced by, if there is anyone who's like remotely good in this, it's her. But the whole thing is like just directorially Yeah, I thought she was good, but I also thought I didn't understand why they picked her as the ugly duckling kind of character either. I didn't think it worked at all. You don't think she can be awkward? Oh, definitely. I don't think she pulled like... You don't think she pulled off the hot part? Probably not. But but I also just don't know in general what is working. So I don't even know. Maybe it's not even that it's her. It's like maybe by that point in the movie, everything is just like falling apart structurally. So I have like no clue what... It's supposed to be happening. It's a jumble fuck, and there's no okay, whatever. We could, I could just keep ranting, right? But let's, yeah, let's let's get into it. <laughs> Unlike this movie, this podcast has a clear structure, and we're gonna stick <laughs> to right. it <laughs> to make sure that y'all enjoy the episode, right? We should put some uh, like nice, little, you know, like oh. sound effects and stuff like that. Scene change. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's get into this cast and crew, shall we? Yes. So we've got Courtney, sort of the queen bee, played by actress Rose McGowan. She was a fixture of the late 1990s genre and independent, was a fixture of late 99, hello? (laughs) Did you just reset? (laughs) Oggity, oggity, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, she was a fixture of the late 1990s and independent films playing dangerous vixens. 
uh, in movies like The Doom Generation, Scream, which we have discussed on the pod. Mm -hmm. She rose to television stardom in the show Charmed uh, and also became a key figure in the Me Too movement of the late 2010s. That sentence just made me feel very old. Right, that you could say that late 2010s and not be talking about the year that we're in right now. <laughs> yeah, back in the Me Too movement in the late 2010s. In the early aughts. Yeah. I was a young girl when Rose McGowan shaved her head. Rose uh, McGowan does sound like a like someone from, from an, the an 1900s. Old <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she, on a serious note, she was one of several women who had, yeah, we're like, wrong time to be riffing. No, but not a good time, yeah. She was one of several women who had received settlements from producer Harvey Weinstein as part of a sexual harassment case, so good on you, Rose McGow. Yeah, brought down that piece of trash, Harvey Weinstein. It's also just, like, hard, because she is, like, so despicable in every movie I see her in, so I have to remember, like, oh, yeah, she was, like, a key player in the me too right. movement like gotta love her when in every movie she like fucks over her girlfriends <laughs> that's right yeah i mean i think that that this might be one of the the, the redeeming feature of this movie she is so hateable like she's yes. despicable and like yeah. without a soul and it's great that i think that she plays that pretty well it's just some of her lines that she has to read her or just got awful but you always want something bad to happen to her Yes. Like, same thing in Scream. I was like, whatever, just take her out. Yeah, just fucking <laughs> let that car garage, garage door. door just take care of that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. But they also, they said that Natalie Portman and Kate Winslet were also considered for <laughs> Courtney Sheen. How could that what? have possibly worked? <laughs> Can you imagine in a thousand years what this movie would be? Probably better Maybe but better. also oh my god but no the no 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 they would have had to recast that whole group because to see women of that caliber actresses of that caliber next to the other women in right in this film it would just be bizarre I, I seriously feel like this might just not be real because it's it sounded like you're trying to pick the two people best that you absolutely couldn't time. yeah first of all some of the best actresses of, of that time and Two people that you couldn't possibly see in that role. Like, no way. They're like, up for the role of Liz was Julie Andrews. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> and Daniel Day-Lewis playing her quirky boyfriend. <laughs> right, yeah, no. I don't know if I believe all that poppycock, but we'll never know. Moving on, we have friend Julie, who is like in the clique, but kind of trying to do the right thing. Model turned actress, Rebecca Gayhart. She first came to national prominence as the Noxima girl, the pretty fresh-faced spokesmodel for Noxima brand skin products. We know her from Beverly Hills 90210. She was in Scream 2. Scream yes. all over the fucking place here. Yeah, and literally everyone. Uh kind of brutal her acting career took a hit when she actually killed someone what yeah she hit a kid with her car who was walking home from school and killed him whoa and her, her acting career kind of took a nosedive for a bit uh and then she Holy married shit. yeah so she married uh eric dane otherwise known as the actor who played McSteamy on Grey's Anatomy and then basically just like bowed out of the scene until their divorce. But holy shit. Wow. Fucked. I did not see that one coming. Next up, 
we have the role of Marcy, played by actress Julie Benz, who is described in her bio as an adventurous supporting actress, which I don't know how I would feel about that. (laughs) Uh, She specializes in deeply complex and often flawed characters. She captured audiences' attention with roles in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel and Dexter on television. A former competitive ice skater, she abandoned sports after an injury to pursue acting. We also know her from George of the Jungle 2, of course. Boondock Saints 2, <laughs> Saw 5. Wow, what a resume. Yeah, adventurous supporting <laughs> actress in the house. Jesus. <laughs> you know, oh, also, Rachel Lee Cook was going to play Julie, but she was replaced by Rebecca Gayhart because Rachel Lee Cook just didn't get along with everyone else or some, or they just didn't have as good chemistry. But oh, really? Yeah, I guess I could see that. If you're making a movie at that time and you don't try to get Rachel Lee Cook in there, it's probably like, yeah. you probably want to capitalize on that. Yeah, but I guess every other movie ever made besides She's All That did it just fine. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they, got, <laughs> they got away with it. <laughs> Uh, and last but certainly not least, the role of Fern Mayo, or turned Violet, played by Judy Greer, playing lanky, clumsy, and unforgettable characters who often steal scene after scene. Judy Greer turned attractive awkwardness into an art form. We know her from What Women Want, The Wedding Singer, Arrested Development, Archer. She's on a show right now called Reboot on Hulu that is funny as shit. I highly mm-hmm. recommend everybody go watch it. Yeah, she's got a pretty great comedic career. She's great. I loved her in What Women Want. I remember that was the oh, first my thing God. that I yeah. saw her in. She so was sad. heartbreaking in that, but excellent. Those are the only people I did because that's all I felt like doing. That's fine. I mean, cool. you could talk about Pam Greer a little bit, the agent on the case, because she was yes. Foxy Brown, but we could just move on. <laughs> Most people were like, why wasn't she in this more? She's the only relatively decent actor in this movie, but... And I thought um, she was horrible. <laughs> she was terrible. It, the, I mean, just the movie overall wasn't doing anyone right, any favors. Right. Just the way it was directed, the way it was written, it's just not. Like, you want to believe she's, like, actually a good detective, right? Like, you want to believe anybody is good at anything they're doing in this movie, and then it's just not so. Now, one cool thing, though, is, and I have no ability to appreciate this, and I wish I did, but every single thing I read about this was talking about the costume design, and it's uh, this woman, Vicki Barrett, who did Clueless, Romeo and Michelle, The Wedding Singer, so like a real legend. I felt like that was the only aspect of this film that was given like the proper finesse. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, I don't really understand why we're mixing 50s and the and 80s I don't know. like truly don't get that but there is clearly like a 50s theme running through this whole film between the cars the clothes and the music like they're trying to do some kind of grease not to grease or something but right. but she's the only one who i think was like okay this is the thing i'm doing i'm gonna be like consistent and specific about it yeah it, it is a nod to grease though in a bunch of different ways and i and that still doesn't make any sense to me. Like the the casting Why? of the actors, like it was like, oh, it was kind of like I'm, it's a nod to, you know, movies like Grease, where everyone's like twenty five or thirty years old in high school. And it's like, so what about this is Grease? I don't understand. I don't get nothing, it. Nothing, literally nothing, except that it's in high school. It is in high school, so there's yeah. that. Anyway, speaking of people who also tend to be specific to a fault, <laughs> let's check out the reviews, please. <laughs> 
starting with Jeff Miller of the Houston Chronicle, who writes, the producers of this film, which depict teenage girls as an assemblage of negative stereotypes, are female. Can females practice misogyny? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was it. Yeah. (laughs) The answer... Jeff Miller is yes, they can. Well, thank you for asking. As depicted in this film. Yeah. I don't know why I have to do your job for you, but <laughs> oof. One point five stars from everybody's favorite grandpa. Do, Roger, do, do. E. Roger Ebert. DJ Grandpa. Roger Raj, one point five stars. I'm surprised he even gave it that many. Uh, he writes, I knew high school comedies were desperate for new ideas, but Jawbreaker is the first one I've seen where the bad girl is stoned with corsages. The movie is a slick production of a lame script, which kills time for most of its middle half hour. If anyone in the plot had the slightest intelligence, the story would implode. Wow. Spot on. But him saying it's like a slick interpretation, what what about it is slick? I do think that it's like meandering and plodding through so much of this movie, especially there's one, like a half an hour, maybe 45 minutes of this movie section where it's like, I don't think it knows where it's going or what it cares about. No, to me in this context, when I hear slick, like I don't think like cool, smooth. I think like greasy. (laughs) (laughs) You got grease on the mind. Well, yeah. On to our Amazon reviews. Was not difficult to find a bad review on this film, Mm-mm. obviously. Was just hard to find a creative one because I think people who watched this movie were so spent. <laughs> they were just right. like, fuck it. This is bad. But first reading, this is the worst movie I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> the first time I ever walked out of a theater was during this. I kept thinking this can't get any worse and then watched in horror as it did. The script and the acting seemed to be in competition as to who could do a poorer job. (laughs) It looked like it was put together on a $20 budget. Plus, the jawbreaker was the size of a baby's head. It is. That was my first note. There's no fucking way that person's swallowing that thing. Absolutely not. But I was willing to let it go, but I shouldn't have. I should have held on right on to that. But yeah, spot on, Amazon user 403 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And the next... (laughs) Well, it's called, the the review is called Good Time for Chores. (laughs) (laughs) And the review reads, about a third of the way into the movie, I decided to dump my cat box out in the woods. Just seemed like a good time to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. I assume that's the accent. <laughs> if you, uh, it's got to be. It, if you do have to dump your cat box out in the woods, this is a good time to do it. I think that that's <laughs> that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So I also never heard it called a, a cat, cat box. box. <laughs> like, is it a litter box? Or was it like, well, my cat gave birth again, so I had a big old box full of cats. Just had to dump them in the woods. <laughs> she gave birth right into the cat box, as always. <laughs> anyway. Love that guy or gal. Speaking of a bunch of angry cats in a box, (laughs) shall we dive on into the plot of this movie? Yes. We open on four popular girls doing the slow-mo walk down a high school hallway with voiceover from Judy Greer telling us that these are the flawless four. She, of course, is nerdy girl Fern Mayo. Great name. (laughs) Great name for the nerdy girl. They're like, what's the most embarrassing name we could give her? It is pretty embarrassing. (laughs) 
Burn, man. What are two awkward objects we could throw together? It's like a mossy, <laughs> gross condiment. And then they're like, oh, Manny's? She hates that person. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so funny. Uh, yeah, so she drops her book and... You know, of course, like one of the girls, Liz, she's different. She like bends down to help her pick up her books. She's hot and rich, but she's also sweet. Which she's is the crazy. How the fuck does that happen? Diamond in the rough. <sighs> or as they call her, the princess die of Reagan High. Diamond in the rough. <laughs> the diamond in the rough. <laughs> saying that in the uh, Aladdin voice. <laughs> I wish I could go that low. I don't, I, I, don't, I can't do it. We'll insert it here. The this poor girl is sleeping peacefully in her bed. We see three hooded figures break into her bedroom, shove a jawbreaker in her mouth, tape over it, tie her up, and throw her in the trunk. But it's just her besties playing a birthday prank on her. Yeah, and it's only like half of the prank because then they're going to stuff her face with food and then tie her to tie a, a flagpole in her underwear. I don't know what the end game First is. First of but... all, how do we go from feeding her a nice breakfast to then tying her to a flagpole like right it might be the opposite of like a compliment sandwich you know where you can you can do something nice but you have to finish middle, it off with something right mean. yeah they, she thinks the prank is over she's like oh you guys i love pancakes <laughs> and they're like now you're bloated and the whole school's gonna see bitch yeah that's right i why does this i guess when you're in high school like depending on where you go like there isn't a ton of friendship options for you but why is she friends with this person they're like we do it every year like literally later they're like you know how girls prank each other and kidnap each other and torture each other on their birthdays and i'm like no okay, i so that's not a thing right no i never okay. never heard of it even in the movie the guy like stares at her with a blank face and she's like oh, well we do it Oh, okay, good. Because just seems like a like a convenient plot device, right? Yeah, they didn't do it right because <laughs> certainly not. They pull up to this diner, grab their Polaroid to take a picture of her, and when they open the trunk, the jawbreaker is now lodged in her throat, and she's dead. And it's just like gigantic ball in her throat, like AKA baby head. <laughs> yes. Also, I. I had to look up what a jawbreaker is. I don't know what the fuck a jawbreaker is, to be honest. I know, but only because of this movie. Really? Also, like, what a fucking inconvenient candy. Who wants that? It's literally a huge ball of sugar. You can't yep. really, you can't fit it all the way in your mouth. It's like a giant no. lollipop, but without a stick. It's a lolly stickless lollipop that you hold in your hand. I think it's more of like a challenge. I don't know. I watched this video about how they make it. It takes four days to make a, a jawbreaker. It's like a horse's treat. <laughs> it is it's like a, a giant treat. sugar cube it's not yes. a, the right size for people no it's not but if you enjoy licking like that owl <laughs> oh boy you're gonna love this if you enjoy licking and counting the licks oh <laughs> well and then getting impatient on the fourth After lick the second or and third, biting yeah. into it and then breaking all your teeth this is the candy for you. You're going to love this. Yeah. If you enjoy licking a candy, but then having to hold it in your hand also, so it's getting your hand <laughs> disgusting, and also you're getting germs on your candy, you'll love it. Maybe we should come up with a an invention to keep the sticky stuff off your hands when you're eating a jawbreaker for all the millions and millions who <laughs> eat jawbreakers every day. Like a jawbreaker glove. It's called put a fucking stick in it, and it's a lollipop. <laughs> Yeah, okay. okay, so that's it. We have like a little thing that bores into a jawbreaker. And it's like a little bit like you like rotate it and it like 
and it gets right into you, the center. You like carve a crevice through the middle and put a string, and then it's a yo yo that, <laughs> that you just hold in front of your own face. And then all that's you only needed to pay for the string, and you didn't even need to pay for the yo yo. <laughs> I mean, pays for that's itself. True. Pays for itself. <laughs> I mean, it's a yo-yo that eventually dissolves, but it'll be fun while it lasts. Not anytime soon. Not anytime soon. Not before you break your jaw or murder your friend. Yeah. So this girl is dead. Two-thirds of the group are crying and freaking out, as they should. Mm-hmm. One is cool as a cuke, and that's Rose McGowan. She never really gets above, until like the last part of the movie, never gets above like a six. On the emotional scale. I mean, it's weird because in the voiceover in the beginning, Fern's like, when she's talking about how great Liz is, she says, and that pissed Courtney off. But it's like, we don't ever get into a deeper level of, you know, Courtney being jealous of Liz or whatever went down between them. Everything in this movie is super superficial. We just don't get enough backstory on on really anything. It's just like... Up oh, here's a situation presented to you, but we don't know why. And don't take this the wrong way to be like, oh, we want it to be longer. I don't want it to be longer. No. I want to know that information, but it's already too long. I want less of a lot of this. Yes. <laughs> and more of things that would help clarify or just add any kind of level of gravity to it. But we don't really, like, we have no reason to think Courtney would be like, cool with this or secretly wanted it to happen or had some right. kind of motive. Right. She's just like whatever she's dead on to the next how are we going to cover this up yeah not it, even a moment that would have been cool too to have like a little bit of context where in the back of your mind you're like did courtney do this on purpose and then you can have that where you're like mulling that over but i don't think you get that feeling when you watch it at least the two times i watched it <laughs> no she has no her character really has no depth they're just like no. uh here's all you need to know about her mean popular and she's yeah. like great i can do that um mean popular hard nipples like right. her mo so, yeah, she's just like, I'm not getting in trouble because all I do is play a harmless prank. Then we have, again, this fucking weird device where th- that never happens again mid-scene where, like, we see, like, all the girls in class trying to, like, have a normal day. Courtney's jock boyfriend is, like, hitting on her in class and is like, hey, baby, and, like, sticks his tongue out. And the sound effects, like, like blah, 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 blah. Women deemed criminal or demented <laughs> will put to death. And it's like, What? <laughs> Fucking right, it's not Looney just, Tunes. It's not just the transition. It's like sometimes people do things in real life and it creates that sound effect. It's so fucking it's strange. Just, it's like so, it's cartoony. Like yeah. if somebody blinks and it's like, pink, pink. Like, why are you doing this? And they only do it one time. Right. I don't know. I don't, it's all I don't, over the fucking place. I don't have answers, only questions. So... I wrote right off the bat, the acting is horrendous in this film, or the overacting, I should say, between the girls overplaying their idiocracy and Rose's complete lack of empathy. None of it is believable. Yeah, I mean, this is a quote from Stein, the director. He was like, it's meant to be mythic. Like the fashion, the dialogue is sort of out of time. The music is from all kinds of decades in the past. It's not meant to be this very realistic film in the 90s. It's not that movie. But I don't need it to be real i just need no. uh, like you said some consistency and, and a reason why you're doing the things that you're doing yeah pick, it just seems like you're just fucking two. taking stuff out of a bag and just throwing it at the wall yeah they're playing fishbowl with this and it's right, just right or they gave it to like three or four different people to edit and we're like right. do your thing right <laughs> like a fucking film festival gone wrong so 
they're like, what are we going to do? And Julie the whole time is like, we need to go to the police. Courtney is like, fuck no. Marcy's just an idiot and is going to go along with whatever mm-hmm. Courtney says to do. So Rose is like, oh, my God. Obvious rape. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Like she, the way she talks about it is as if. I don't know. Like, it's so easy breezy the way they talk about it in this film. And it is fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's definitely supposed to be like that, but it's still arresting. Like, when you see it in the movie, you're like, this isn't, I don't think this is cool to do. This This was the most creative thing you could come up with. Like, it seemed lazy and also, like, eh, just an unfortunate choice. Right. For the, for the way that she talks about it, like, it's such, like, a juicy, like, all right, girls, gather around. Tell me more. Tell me more. Right. And right. Then, then it's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like It would be fine if they were trying to say something, but I can't figure out what the message they're trying to say is. It's just trying to be as, like, graphic as possible and, like, as flippant as possible about dire circumstances. Right. If you're going to go down that road, right? Like I guess just make it as heavy as it is, but I feel like then that that crosses the line out of dark comedy. Right. And just is like But I also don't know. it doesn't even make sense because the way that they this works into the plot, it's like a gigantic plot hole. They went out of their way to choose something that doesn't make sense and wouldn't work. It, to me, this movie reads like a lot of scenes were cut out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, a lot of times. I was like, wait, where did this guy come from? What, now they're dating? Who is this person? Like, there's just 100%. so many things where I was like, we're missing something here. But we just, I don't know. Okay, so now we're like getting into Fern. So Fern goes to the office to like ask about a botany field trip and the principal's like oh do you know liz purr and she's like you mean meow liz purr is the cat's meow i'm like wait is she in love with her like there's so much weird about this character that is also like unsolved we never really get to the bottom of like she's clearly obsessed with her yeah the director wanted it to be ambiguous apparently so people get obsessed and aren't sure if they are gay or just obsessed they want to be popular and people will do a lot to be popular and be embraced and the gray area of those drives are interesting i'm gonna make a bunch of fucking choices and leave them all open and ambiguous like just Bring anything in this movie, like, full circle. Right. Like, answer any of the questions we have. Tie some knot. Yeah, something. (laughs) It's just a bunch of loose fucking ribbons in the wind. Just... (laughs) It's like a parade uh, float. uh, Anyway, so... uh, Because... (laughs) Because Courtney had never picked up the assignments... The principal gives Fern Liz's assignments for the day. And so Fern takes them to her house. The girls drag their friend's dead body back to her bed. (sighs) They almost are making the scene with like the levity of like a makeover scene. Right. Except it's like, we're going to turn our friend into a rape victim. And it's just like, and they're like arranging her body and like her stiff bones keep cracking and they're like oh i totally make the bed like this and it's just like fucked up so strange and i don't think that's just because like i'm not a fan of the subject matter i think it just wasn't done well like if you're gonna do this right (sighs) it's kind of like the bling ring thing it's that kind of acting where they're talking about something very serious but they again it's just like very flippant and it's kind of like funny but it's not this isn't funny no no and I feel like movies like The Bling Ring and movies like 16, right? Mm-hmm. Like 
we're seeing stuff that is very real and very dark, but they're not trying to be slapstick about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like in the moment it's playing as funny, but we're also seeing like how fucked up it is because they're showing us a dark right. energy, a dark vibe around it. Whereas like this isn't set up dark and they're doing really dark shit. Yeah, because sometimes the way to show how heavy something is, is to show uh, some person not taking it seriously. And then right. as the audience, you're like, oh, this, yeah, this is way more fucked up than I thought. But this, it just seems like we are along with them where we can't understand the gravity of, of the situation either because like we're wrapped up in it too. The action and the style don't match. Right. And even the friend who's not into it isn't even being like, horrified by it julie's just like staring at old pictures of them like being that is sad the most girl. confused character i've i have no clue what's going on there is she a morally good person she's such a she's such she a passive smart? she's so passive even though she is meant to be like the morally stand-up friend of just being right. like this isn't gonna work we have to tell someone i miss my friend but like she's not doing anything for a really long time even until the end of the movie, she does nothing except yeah. wait for it to like play out and like get and her, her revenge lap. as opposed to be like, I'm going to go to the police now. Like, because it's the right thing to do. Right. It's all about like her revenge and like destroying someone instead of being like, uh, I right. need justice for my friend. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Anyway, so Fern is at the house, clearly obsessed with her, but hears screams and stuff. And so she wanders in. The girls also find this card from her last birthday that, and it's like one of those voice recording cards with Liz's voice coming out of it. And they're all like fighting. And suddenly we open the door and Fern Mayo is there and has heard everything about them killing her. Also, there's a dead body. Also, there's <laughs> a dead body. To, yeah. Yeah, she didn't, yeah, she didn't need to hear anything. The girls aren't even trying to hide it. They're just like, what did you hear? Fern? Right, there's like a blue person. Meanwhile, there's a them. dead body right <laughs> behind them. It, this is so strange because it, we don't even need to get this far. There is definitely a way for them to get out of this. Yeah. Like without doing all of the things they end up doing. And I, I know that that's like not a fair thing because whenever you say that, it's like, right, but then there wouldn't be a movie. But it's just so frustrating. Like, <laughs> maybe there wouldn't be a movie. Oopsie maybe, doopsie. Yeah, be better, yeah. Uh, maybe there's a reason. Uh, but yeah, so Courtney gives Fern her Danny DeVito speech from Matilda. She's <laughs> just like, you're not popular. We're popular. You're the shadow. We're the sun. And we're going to make you one of us as long as you never tell anyone what you saw. Then we have one of the most batshit makeover transitions I've ever seen. Yeah. It's like steampunk Willy Wonka. <laughs> it's like yeah. the only thing I can think to describe it. It makes no sense. There's like, we're in a morgue a factory. Right. It's like a surrealist cutaway moment that's completely unnecessary, highly stylized. I would, I think I kind of like this, but it, it was all for nothing because I hated the movie so much. But like, I like that kind of thing where it's like, man, how many fucking makeover scenes can we have? We're just going to make one so, so crazy. But it's the only time they do this. Like anything yes. in this style. It's so fucking bizarre. So uh, now Fern is hot and blonde and Elizabeth. Hot-ish. Hottish, yeah. I yeah. mean, sh- I guess hot by '90s high school standards. No, I don't. But think not so. even like e- her hair is not. I don't know. It's not a look in my. No, it's opinion. not. 
and it's not enough to like turn the school upside down by how like fucking amazing looking she is to me it's like she literally has the same hair as the evil stepmom and it takes two after she gets gum spin in her hair (laughs) and we're like supposed to think she's less attractive right they like gave her what would be like a hot movie star haircut in the 50s Yes, that's right. But it right. does not translate well into today. She's got some um, new clothes. She, she's got some new confidence. Yeah. I guess. They're going to give her a whole new life. Make her one of them. Now word is getting out that Liz Purr is dead. But everyone's just like walking down the hallways and the principal's like, yeah. this student is dead and this is exactly how she died. And it, they, she also like makes a reference to like, just so you know, she was very popular. <laughs> like something like, yeah. like a really yeah. well-known student. <laughs> not like one of the fern yeah, ones. Yeah, not one of the fern ones. <laughs> Yeah, so Julie's like taking the bus, going to get on the bus home, and this dude just like drives up in his car and is like, never thought I'd see you taking the bus. Uh, Can I give you a ride home? And like, we don't know who this guy is. No. We don't know how they know each other. We don't know what, but like he gives her a ride home, and then she's just like, so do you want to call me? Here's Here's all I need from this scene to make it better, right? They like were friends in middle school, and she blew him off when he became popular. Sure. Ex- that literally it. Damn, that's it. Yeah, nothing. No, no background. We just have boom, a romantic interest. Does this guy look familiar to you at all? No. I saw him and I was like, man, that guy looks a lot like Ethan Hawke, and he's young Ethan Hawke in Gattaca. He's of young Vincent in Gattaca. Whoa. Yeah. He does. He look does. Like Ethan he Hawk does have too. an Ethan Hawke vibe for sure. Then we have this fucking weird ass scene. We get no exposition in this whole movie to make it make sense. But we do have this weird ass scene where Courtney and her boyfriend are hooking up and she's in this horrible 1950s nightie. And she's like making him suck on this popsicle to show her like how he wants his dick sucked. I mean, I read a bunch because I was just trying to figure out what people liked about this movie. And it seemed like for a lot of young gay men, this was like one of their first times that they knew that they were gay watching this. Shut up. I read like seven of them. Because they watched this guy suck a popsicle? Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, to be fair, he is a beautiful man. He's a beautiful man. And he's really like not yeah. just sucking the pot, like he's just like giving it a blowjob. Yes. Because that's is. what's happening to him. Yes. I will say this guy's definitely, this actor is definitely straight because he does not know how to suck a popsicle. But for some reason, that's like better for the scene, I think. Yeah. If he was really good at blowing this popsicle, we'd be like, oh. <laughs> that's right. I think you should know something about your boyfriend. Right. <laughs> It is. I mean, this scene comes out of fucking nowhere. Out of nowhere. But it's one of the most iconic scenes in the movie. If not the most iconic. She's like, first he's like, what the fuck? And she's like, I said I wanted a little kink. I'm like, you are a 40-year-old woman. Or at least 30. (laughs) Like, first of all, we didn't have kinks at 17, okay? (laughs) We had Cosmo Magazine. And Cosmo Magazine was having us do all the work, okay? We were not (laughs) dominating our boyfriends at 17. We were like, let me put some ice cubes in my mouth to make this blowjob feel better. Like, (laughs) okay? We were not taking charge like that. I wish we were. I think that that is a cool part of it where, like, I can't think of anything else, a scene from the 90s that was like this and such, like, feminine empowerment sexuality scene. Totally. Is there something better than that? I mean, that's cool. I like that, but it is. Yeah, just that's a fun vibe. Out of nowhere. She just like shoves the popsicle down his throat. 
like pushes his head onto the popsicle. I'm like, oh, haven't we all? Haven't yeah, we all been right. there? Um, <laughs> if I had a dime. Yeah, I mean, Darren Stein, he, he, this is a quote from him. Uh, it's also a female-dominated world where the males are secondary characters or arm candy, where women have the power and their strength and sexuality are celebrated. And that was something that confused them. It didn't like about it. And I have to say, that's sure. not why I don't like this movie. <laughs> Certainly not. Yeah. That wasn't even a thought in my mind. <laughs> yeah. So we, unfortunately, this delicious and fruity blowjob scene is cut short because the cops show up at Courtney's door. And she's still cool as a goddamn cucumber. She's cool as a popsicle. <laughs> cool as a popsicle. Detective Vera Cruz comes to town and starts interrogating everyone. Look, if a girl dies, would you take her best friends one by one and grill them like you already knew they were the murderer when they had literally no reason to believe that these girls had anything to do with it? I don't know. I mean, I think that they should have some reason to believe. I mean, what kind of police work has been happening up until now? Okay, so we see like investigators in her bedroom, right? Right. They've staged it as a rape. So on what planet do you now go to this poor murdered girl's 17-year-old friends slamming jawbreakers on the table being like, crazy name for a candy, isn't it? Like, right. you already... Yeah, this this character is just so not helpful to the plot either because at some points, you know, she's way ahead of these girls. And then there's other times where they're like running circles around her and she's totally incompetent. This is another 90s movie where it's like teenagers run the world because high schoolers are 30 and all the adults are bumbling (laughs) idiots. Yes. Yeah, everyone's parents are stupid. Everyone's parents are caricatures of human beings. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god there's this scene where like julie is walking down the hallway and all the actors are frozen except for her yeah but like not with special effects they just like got a bunch of extras to stand <laughs> in the hallway and try and stay still like one girl's like on the floor with her hands over her head like everyone's like grieving and i it just made me think of the one review that was like, this movie had a budget of $20. Yes. It's just, all this shit is so distracting. It's just a bunch of like experiments by the director and they should just have figured out how to make a better plot instead of like (laughs) distracting you in one hand while they like cleverly take money out of your pocket from the other one because like nothing else makes sense. It's like, well, we'll just have like a scene where everyone is kind of still. It's like that didn't help any of the logical holes. not at all. Um, (laughs) So Fern is now a potential suspect because she delivered the homework and she has, quote, hasn't been at school in a couple of days. (laughs) This part is so fucking stupid. Fern is Fern... Another part where just all the fucking adults are so fucking dumb. They're like, Fern has been in school with blonde hair telling people to call her a violet. How are you not seeing this? Okay, so let's say Fern hasn't been (laughs) in school for a while. It's like, well, don't worry about it. It's like, there's this new girl, Violet. Don't worry about signing her up for classes or anything. She's the head cheerleader. She's the head of the 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 lead lead in the school play. play. She doesn't need any documentation. She just started in random classes that Fern happened to be taking. And and hasn't been showing up to. It's not like she looks totally different. They're the same person. The teacher's like taking attendance and she's like, Fern, Fern Mayo. (laughs) And she's like, it's Violet now. And the mom's like, well, she's not on my roster, but I guess we have a new student. Class, meet Violet. 
Yeah, she's just owning the school. Everyone's like, I heard she toured with Madonna. I'm like, she looks the same. She yeah. literally has the same face. Well, only Oh, only because Courtney is telling people that she just transferred here. But like, yes. no one administratively, ha- like. <laughs> yeah, all they did was like, hear tell like the, the administration in the school like heard tell oh i guess she transferred here <laughs> like someone yeah. said it so yeah so now violet is with the cool girls julie's hanging out with her new drama club boyfriend mm. again zero backstory but she's just opening up to him also i was like oh just God. telling him all everything like this random guy she like, literally confessing just, to a murder just met this guy in, in any 90s movie where you have a guy with long hair wearing a flannel going, hey, come with me. I want to show you something. You better bear your soul. Yeah. It's going to be an outdoor abandoned shithole where he mm-hmm. goes to think. Yeah. Nine times out of ten. And For what sure. was you it? You could probably see the stars pretty well. Literally, they just pull into a fucking junkyard. They're like, oh, man, it's so great here. I love being here with you. <laughs> Just getting away from it all. <laughs> this just this this whole plot seems so beside the point too. It's like, wait, are you the main character? Like, am I rooting for your weird love story to happen? Who are you? Who are is this you? guy? All we see is like the popular girls are like, okay, Violet, you're gonna sign up and you're you're gonna become. First of all, we don't even see her audition. They literally write her name down to audition for the show, and they're like, "You're gonna be the star. You're gonna be the lead in the school play." <laughs> and it's like, wait, how is she even good? But how did she just? What about the old lead? <laughs> this this also this girl's been such a fucking dweeb this whole time. She's that good of a cheerleader and an actress that she just got. She's just head not. of the cheerleading squad and lead in the play. You're telling She's me. She's just a totally different person. Like none of her obsessions carried over. It was just one quick, whatever, like fucked up uh, makeover scene, like just completely changed the character. There yeah. isn't even like a small thread where it's like, well, I could kind of still see her peeking through there. It's like, she's just totally different. Look, she's also captain of the swimming team, the gymnastics team, <laughs> yeah, right. the mathletes. And the astronauts club. I was just going to say, she's going to NASA camp in the summer. <laughs> yeah, she can do it all. Um, yeah. But like, but the only reason they want her to go be the lead in the show is because they want her to steal Julie's new boyfriend. But they never say that until no. after the fact. Which is to me, they're just like, they just keep cutting things out to make things make sense. <laughs> yeah. At first, I was like, why do they want her to sign up? To, in, for drama club to get this guy. We I was even know totally this confused. We yeah. didn't even know that Julie's boyfriend was in the drama club, really. Yeah, there's just a quick passing scene where he's hanging out with the drama people. Yeah. But that's it. So now, like, Julie and the drama kid, the drama guy, are in cahoots together, even though the cool girls want Violet to steal him from her. Though she, doesn't get, she doesn't get close. Violet gets called in for questioning by the detective and plays it super cool by acting like a fucking psychopath like someone that they need to commit acting head of the play lead of the play in my butt she cannot act for shit she literally goes in there and just basically talks about how obsessed she is with her and and there's nothing about this it's like hey okay now i'm talking to like the fucking cops this is serious it's like i'm a different person i'm not you know i'm violet i changed my name it's like no, for serious. Like I'm the police. Like you're <laughs> no, no, no. murder. I need to know your real name. <laughs> yeah. It's like when McLovin gives the police uh, his uh, ID. Yeah, and she's just like, 
she just gives this crazy monologue that she sits behind her in algebra and like memorize the the beauty marks on the back, the of, back her. of her neck and they they make a constellation and she plays connect the dots and sees salmon and sea monkeys. And this is also so beside the point. Who gives a fuck what's going on right now? Gives a fuck, especially if you're not going to tell us what it actually is the deal there. Right. Is she in love with her? Is she just obsessed with her to the point where like maybe she was plotting to bring her down? Like do something more. And this is pretty much the last thing about it. It never yes. goes any farther. It than never this. comes up again. It never comes up again. So Courtney calls this the detective. Really fucking pissing me off. Now. Just everything is so out of left field. After Courtney, this whole time the detective has been like, "Well, I don't know anything." Now she's like, she like completely switches gears. Even in her acting in this, she's like, "I can't hold this in any longer." Liz had a craving for sex with strange men. She'd go to bars and pick them up, and they'd be gone by dawn. And we, like, see what we're meant to think is Liz, like, walking into this gross bar, picking up this fucking gross dude who's, who's just, Marilyn like... Manson. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, and who who Rose McGowan was engaged to. But that's what reason why he got in there. No! I know. I'm so sorry. I thought you knew. Because... Fuck that blah. guy. And he is a real rapist, so I guess they did pretty good casting. Yep. Yeah, they got it. Ew. Creeped me out so much. Disgusting. Gross. Yeah. So gross. So we end up realizing that it was actually Courtney who went to a bar to pick up this guy to bring him back to Liz's room to fuck her while... Liz's dead body is under the bed so that she could just like sprinkle his semen all over for evidence. Can can you explain this to me? What is going on? She wants to, she wants it to look like a rape. So she gets this guy's sperm from him and like puts it, I guess, all over the scene, which is why soon after when Julie and, and the actor guy are like, okay, we're going to go to the detective and tell the truth. And they're like, no, we got a semen match. For this right. dude. So we have our guy. Do I need to know about the logistics about how this would happen? There's oh, a di- I don't there's really a, care, really. I mean, look, they, she could have just left a full condom, but that would be really dumb for that guy to do. But but then if she's going to do, if she's going to do like the condom thing, then why does she have to have sex in her bedroom? Couldn't she have sex in the car and then just take a condom and then like go to the <laughs> room and just throw it in there? Fill up the condom like a water balloon with cum <laughs> and just <laughs> dive bomb it through the window? <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's certainly everywhere. more like, I don't know. Just, I, what the fuck is going on here? We need as much of this guy's DNA in the bedroom as possible, I guess. Okay. And It just like, seems pretty risky going back to the bedroom well, and she's well, dead it, there. It had to have been that night because that night, like right. her parents were, first of all, whose fucking parents leave town on their birthday? Oh, that's a good point. It's the most unbelievable uh, part of this movie. Especially when you're, if you're in a 90s movie, because if your parents, if the parents go out of town, you're going to die pretty immediately. So they should have known. But, and you're going to have a rager. Yeah. you didn't even have that. No. Well, it was a try, they were starting to try and celebrate the birthday, but. Right. Right. So Violet goes up to Julie's boyfriend and is like, I saw you in Greece twice. You rocked my world. <laughs> then she fucks a mechanic who gives her like a billion dollar car for yeah. free. She doesn't even fuck him. She just like makes out with him. And with and him hugs under him. a car. And yeah. then so she like pulls up to school with this 
hot rod and like a license plate that says bitch. And <laughs> and Marcy's like, I'm getting worried about Violet. I think Violet's getting out of control. The car, the parking spot. <laughs> those, right are the, those are the those are the only those are the only two examples she gives the car the parking spot the steering wheel the little air freshener in the front also can we put a ballpark on how many days this is oh my god one week one week since it- one week so okay <laughs> gotta be within one week so fucking quick. very quickly and yeah every one of the groups loves her like the goths love her Everyone is yeah, so everyone's taken by her. obsessed with her. But then, like, Courtney grabs her and, like, brings her to the bathroom and, like, smashes her against the mirror and breaks the <laughs> mirror. And she's just like, I made you. And, and Violet's like, they love to hate me. And it's like, no, they d- everybody's obsessed with you. Yeah. She's like, face it. I know the truth. I have the power. And again, I'd like to reiterate, at this point, you're like – what the fuck are we doing? Like, what are we... What's going on? What is going on? And What why? is the driving force of this plot? Is it that Fern is somehow <laughs> getting too popular and then... And, and the murder seems kind of like kept like a side seat at this point. Right. And also, like, it's true. Violet or Fern does know the truth. So really, she does hold the power. So why is Courtney still trying she's still trying to control everything and so like the next day there are posters all over the school with fern's picture of her being nerdy that says who is violet as if she just like took the power back and it's like she still knows that you murdered your friend yeah i don't understand so everyone looked at so it what's going through people's heads are like they look at this picture are they realizing that it was a girl that used to go to the school? Or are they just realizing that she used to be not as cool as she is right now? She's like, oh, Fern got a haircut. <laughs> she's screaming and she's like ripping all the posters down off the locker. And people are acting insane. Like girls are coming. People are coming to her like. <laughs> like <laughs> it's like the jungle scenes in Mean Girls. Mean yeah. Girls. Meanwhile, like Julie and drama kid like walk into school young Gattaca walk into (laughs) school people have just left this girl sprawled out on the floor in the middle of the hallway trash strewn about and a bloody girl in the middle of the hall a bloody girl covered in posters of her former (laughs) self like ego death I also need someone who was in high school in the 90s to please confirm whether or not people were actually running around school in like bikini tops because (laughs) like the outfits are obscene it's very clueless I mean it's very like Were people getting away with this or not? I need to know. I hope so. So cue to the only scene I like in this movie, which is the band The Donnas playing at the prom. Liz's mom had dropped off some things for Julie that she thought she might want. Lo and behold, that old birthday card with the recording feature in it uh, is in there. And when she opens it up, it had recorded Courtney. This is the fucking dumbest shit ever. (laughs) First of all, those cards only record one time. You cannot record over the birthday message for the record. I did not know that. I also did not care. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> but it literally has Courtney recorded saying, I killed Liz. I killed the teen dream. Deal with it. And she's like, boom, here's my evidence because 
Lord knows her testimony would not have been enough. What the fuck? They couldn't make anything that was more damning. That could have been anything. It could have been anything. And she's been such a crazy liar the whole time with everyone's like wrapped around her finger. And she doesn't even try to lie her way out of it. Well, we'll get to the fucking. Yeah. But. Oh, also Fern is now like a nice girl again. <laughs> right. She just switched back. She also, just switched to a completely new personality. They have something in, I think it's this scene that I've never known before and it blew my mind. They're blowing up balloons and then they blow up a balloon, balloons inside of other balloons. What a crazy experience. You've never seen that before? No. Wow. What a, what a wild thing. That's I wanted the to do wildest it. part of this film for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so sweet, Daniel. Balloons and balloons. <laughs> uh, well, at the Millennial Movie Club prom. Oh, for we sure. We will definitely have balloons inside balloons. Yes. You can count on that. Yes. Good. <laughs> so, uh... Fern and Julie dress up and go to prom. Zach, the boyfriend, sneaks into the tech booth. And he's like soldering like wires. Yeah. It, it's a very Hooking deep. this card up to the sound system. I'm also like, he's the lead in the school shows. Clearly not a techie. So yes. I don't know why you think he's the man for this job, but here also, we are. Also, the show or, you know, that whole thing, you think that that's going to come back? No. Like the no. school show? No. No. Never yeah. talked about it again. Absolutely not. So basically, we're just waiting for the moment of truth. And they are finally announcing the prom king and queen. Courtney's boyfriend wins prom king. And of course, Courtney wins prom queen. She goes up to the stage to make her speech. And Zach plays the card with her voice over the speaker saying, I killed Liz. I killed the teen dream. And everyone in the crowd is like, that's her voice. Oh, my God. This confirms a murder. Where did all that guy's come come from? Doesn't matter. Yeah. And the, the way that they react to a murder is like if you are at karaoke and you don't sing a song that well. It's like, right. oh, boo. Oh, God. I loved how they milked this moment where like the crowd turns on her and her boyfriend, who's just like such a fucking dumb asshole, like they don't even have a relationship. <laughs> he like takes his crown off and like, walks off the stage and like looks at her like how could you <laughs> like he's given a shit about anything this whole movie no. and th- it's still like that that doesn't prove anything and everyone's in slow motion like eat shit <laughs> yeah they're like throwing their corsage like that's the move throw your corsage at her and she's like and you have infinite corsages by the way because there's like more than people are throwing more than one definitely yeah, people are throwing yeah. more than one we have this crazy like slow motion scene where Courtney's like coming through this crowd of people and they're all like throwing the corsages. She's like on like a dolly too. Like she's like moving fluidly through the yeah, crowd. Yeah, she's like crying and like smearing her mascara and pulling her own prom hair out and just looks insane. And Julie's there. She's like, Julie. <laughs> and Julie takes a picture of her with the Polaroid camera. And that ends up being a picture in the yearbook. I guess so. Memories. Remember at prom when we solved this? We found we out our classmate murdered our other classmate? <laughs> this deserves a layout. I couldn't believe that that was the last thing. And people fucking love that ending. They're like, oh, it's the most delicious revenge it's like what the fuck is going on nothing was resolved yeah we don't know that there are any consequences to this like i have no clue in reality there's a good chance they found this guy's semen in this dead girl and so a recorded birthday card is probably (laughs) not 
gonna do the trick. I don't think it's gonna hold up. Not in court, no. And they they really think it's like this carry moment, and it's like no, it's not at all, because nothing is coming together to make this moment. You're like, oh right, so prom is a big deal, I guess, in this story, and I guess also the prom king queen are a big deal. I kind of forgot about it. We only mentioned it once at the beginning of the movie. Nothing is fucking coming together at all, and there's so yeah. many things that are just like left, like you said, these like strings dangling. There's no justice for Liz. And we don't even give a shit because we don't know her. So who cares? I mean, I guess there's justice for Julie. But like, we don't care either because we don't even we don't even really like her. No, I don't care. No one in this film is likable. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. Let's you want to do the... Great and some mate. I hated it. <laughs> I hated this movie. Um, sorry if this episode felt really negative, but I found no redeeming qualities with this film. <laughs> I thought it was done in really poor taste. I thought um, the acting, the writing, the direction was terrible. I thought the costume design was fine. I Fuck Marilyn Manson. Um, fuck everyone in this movie. Marry Rose McGowan. <laughs> Kill Liz. Kill Liz, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give this movie negative two popsicle blowjobs. Oh, cow. <laughs> um, God damn it. I mean, I I have to say, just talking about it made me way angrier. Like, the, the more we talked about it, the more angrier I got and the more I didn't like it. Yeah. I was trying to come in here a little bit like, because I know this means this movie means a lot to a lot of people, and I'm really sorry, but I fucking hated it. I thought it was awful, and I <laughs> yeah. didn't even realize how much I hated it until after we talk about, talked about it. I thought the writing was fucking atrocious. I can't believe this plot <laughs> got greenlit and made into a movie, and it's just, it, there's no excuse for it. I'm going to give it one out of ten jawbreakers. You're not even going to get creative with your scale. No. Because you just refuse. <laughs> this movie they doesn't deserve, deserve it. it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fuck this film, but it was fun to hate something passionately together for the first time. It was nice time. to be on that, yeah, on that yeah. team. We, cool. ha- I feel like we hate the movie more and like each other more. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I did feel like that. <laughs> this has bonded us in a way we will never forget. So for that, jawbreaker. We're just like Thank arm you. in arm, like just like kicking this thing in the ribs, just kind of <laughs> smiling at one another. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, hope you enjoyed this episode as much <laughs> we'll as we hated this movie. Yeah, next yeah. week we'll do something like really fucking likable to yeah. just turn the tides. We love you guys. If you're coming to 90s Con next month, let us know. We will be there. Yeah, um, hit us up. Happy belated Valentine's Day. Happy early St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, there you go. Oh, nice. Forgot about that <laughs> holiday. Tight. Uh, we bid you adieu. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Movie Club. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and write us a glowing review. We are millennials. We kind of need the validation. For even more goodies, be sure to follow Millennial Movie Club on TikTok and Instagram. Later, Later days. days.